Hello and welcome back to the FVZ show. We are back, I suppose, in the comfort of our own homes now, considering that the season is over. Um, we obviously did our last couple of FEZ shows on site, on track in London and Berlin, but we're here today to talk about the season, about the main news points that have happened over the course of the season finish, and also just sort of wrap up the championship and just see how that went. And joining me, as always, they've been absent for a little bit on the FEZ show, not their fault whatsoever, but Mr. Edward Hunter and Jack Pickering are back with me. How are you, boys? Um, feeling better now that you've uh, reinstated us as guests on the FEZ show. Um, it's been a trying time the last two weeks, watching other people do our jobs, but yeah. Although I must say, Tobias and um, of course Topher from uh, Downforce Radio and Eformal D did a very good job. Uh, you got on very well with them, Jack, so, and I had a lot of fun editing those shows, even though I wasn't in them. Nice to have Tony have to do half the work that time. No, obviously it was unfortunate. We would have loved to have had you. I would have loved to have had you there. Like, you know, Pico was uh, assigned for the London race, but the FIA was like, for coronavirus reasons, we're only allowing one person per um, publication. So, you know, we had to do what we had to do. It was only one person each. And, you know, I was the lucky person slash probably then the only person because I had all the equipment um, that was going to go to the race. But that is beside the point. We need to talk Formula E because... Huge news coming out. Now, I, I got the sense of this happening in Berlin with Mercedes announcing that they were leaving. Like, Total Wolf was then, and there was, like, this huge media gathering, which I wasn't invited to. But beside the point, you can sort of tell what was going on because I was sort of watching, and I was like, okay, so there's, like, four or five, and you're just watching the body language of Toto. And sometimes you can, from watching, you can somehow get a sense of what's going on. You felt like, okay, they're, you know, Toto's on the back foot here. You could tell Toto was on the back foot. And then it comes out... Um, a couple of days later that Mercedes are leaving the championship. Now, Pika, I want to bring you in on this because BMW are leaving. Audi are leaving. Mercedes are leaving at the end of next season now. If McLaren, who have signed an open agreement or, or sort of a, you know, a moment, a, a, a something, they've signed something. It's an option. Say, an option. I could, the word went out of my mouth or head. Anyway, moving on. Um, they've signed an option to join for Gen 3. If they pull out and say no, is Formula E then in a real problem here? Because you've got three manufacturers who are going, one that's pulling out before they even began, potentially. How how does Formula E go about attracting new manufacturers when you know manufacturers will be going, well, hang on a second, why are these four leaving? It's not ideal, is it? It's... Yeah, it's it's disappointing that we are losing another manufacturer after we lost Audi and BMW this year. Um, yeah, and I do think part of it is Formula E's fault. And what when they when they announced they were going to when they announced that they were going to leave, they more or less said in the press release, "We're learning more about how to develop our cars." In Formula, we're more, um, we're, we're more, we're learning more about how to d- develop electrical, um, our electrical range from Formula One than we are from Formula E, which is a massive, like, sh- uh, which is a massive put down for Formula E. But, um, but yeah, uh, it would, I mean, like, it, it, it wouldn't be catas- it wouldn't be catastrophic for Formula E. I think we still have more manufacturers 
than any other single-seater series on the planet, which is still fantastic. It it does. It's not great though. It would because we've we've kind of built this up like oh look at all these manufacturers coming to formula e and now they're kind of dropping away um i would still like to see mclaren come in and i don't think that they won't because they've signed up to do other things as well so they've signed up to do extremely next season as well they're taking control in uh, in uh, of the smith peterson team in indycar now um uh, I think we're just going to go for McLaren world domination at some point, but uh, but uh, who knows? But um, but yeah, it's 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 disappointing for uh, for FE to lose three manufacturers in two seasons. But I I don't think it's I don't think it's the end of the road. I think we'll still have these smaller manufacturers and and private teams that will still will, that will still make up the numbers in the championship uh, as we go forward into Gen three. What do you think, Ed? Obviously, it's, it's a big story. It's, it's, I feel this is a big, you know, pivot point for Formula E. Like, what road are we going to go down? Because if you've got manufacturers leaving, then surely we've got to make changes. But if we carried on the same road, you know, could this lead to an A1 GP potentially by the end of Gen 3? And if no one wants to continue into Gen 4 because there isn't much progression and there is other areas and other motorsports at the moment where electric electrification can be produced, better and that that can feed into road cars then you know are Formula E potentially pushing themselves out of the market do you mean just how A1GP died basically is that what you're referring to there yeah like effectively yeah because I feel like Formula E are at this crossroads right now as as they can make these changes and keep going or if they keep going as there is and if manufacturers keep pulling out or not turning up or thinking that they can go elsewhere and do um electrification in other series then you know if we go down this road could could the could the road just be a dead end i don't know i don't quite see uh anything quite as dramatic as a1 gp where if i remember correctly they blew all the budget on a ferrari chassis for all the teams and the championship just ran out of money they went bankrupt basically and then they had to sell off the cars mid-season and just ended but uh I there was an interesting thing I read actually. Toto Wolf said something. I did like your description of the secret little media conference Toto gave, and I just imagined you peeking in through the window trying to lip read what Toto was saying. But uh, <laughs> but he said this week something like, uh, "I think the headline was Formula E needs a reboot." And what he meant by that, I don't think he meant, "Oh, Formula E, we need to burn everything down and start again." I think what he meant was the Formula E needs to. Uh, rebrand and sort of reshift itself and that the privateer teams especially with the current Mercedes team their only option really to continue into Gen 3 is to, to effectively become either a manufacturer about Mercedes or a customer team and they've certainly got the facilities and the personnel to probably pull it off as their own manufacturer we'll have to see how that ends up whether they get the entry for Gen 3 as well but I do think those comments from Wolf were, quite, were kind of interesting as for <clears throat> in the short term, it's not a good look, obviously, in terms of it's not great for the reputation of the series to have the uh, there's like you've got all of the big three, of course, apart from Porsche, of course, and them and Audi, both part of Volkswagen and Audi group, Porsche saying Audi leaving. You've got the big three from Germany leaving, basically, which uh, certainly because they joined with such fanfare, it certainly looks it's certainly a little bit kind of not not a great it's it's hard thing to kind of mitigate i don't think it's really the end of the world because if i'm being honest mercedes outspent 
most of the other teams and now they're complaining they're not getting return on investment uh, which to me indicates that maybe Mercedes strategy from a marketing standpoint I don't think it was really the best and it's felt like ever since Audi and BMW left there's been an argument in the Mercedes board it's just baffling how it's taken them so long to come to the same conclusions basically that BMW and Audi did uh, back in December last year so uh, I think whatever you want to criticize, the, the being around, he made the decision like, right, okay, we're not going to be in Gen 3, and they pulled out very early, whereas Mercedes have kind of agonized over it to the point where it almost feels like Mercedes are in for kind of an extra season, which is going to be very awkward. So almost like a stay of execution, really. But uh, of course, the team hopefully will survive beyond that. So you can tell I'm not the biggest fan of Mercedes. So I personally, I'm not that cut up about it, but I do recognize it's not great for the series. And certainly, like you were saying earlier, Jack, it's going to impact McLaren's decision in the end, whether they join or not. It's certainly going to be given pause for thought before they rush into signing anything off from their option. And it's a shame, really, Jack, because I hate being negative about Formula E, but I feel like a lot of talking points and a lot of things that have happened over the last couple of years of Formula E have been more negative than they have been positive. And all the hard work that, that Formula E have put into this project and, and, and the product that they've created. And, and you have to remember the hype that Formula E in Season 5 was or Season 4 was saying about, you know, Porsche and Mercedes are joining. And then they you know, Mercedes, it doesn't last two years. And then two years later, they're pulling out. So you've got to think that Mercedes have joined on maybe a premise, maybe something that, okay, yeah, this is the way we're going to go. And I don't know if something's changed. I don't know if, you know, there's a reason where Mercedes was like, actually, you know, or maybe Mercedes joined thinking that this championship was going to go places in a short time space. And there was going to be this exponential growth and there hasn't been that exponential growth. And maybe that's why, you know, and, and that could be also a reason for why Audi and BMW are pulling out because, you know, we're talking about return on investment. And if you go back to the magazine issue that we did with Ian James in January with Alan McNish, we asked him about, you know, when a Mercedes is going to join Gen 3. And it was that sort of talk about finances and, and the future of the series and where it was going seem to be that main stumbling point and we're sitting here today thinking you know tv figures yep they're going up but are they going up where we want them to go up or or how formula e are envisioning them going up have they been stagnating they sort of have been like it's like up but you know it has really really grown and and our team's looking at that thinking well yeah how when the series becomes more expensive going into gen 3 is that return on investment going to be an issue The thing is with Formula E, I love Formula E, but I also hate Formula E because there's just there's just so many things that I just adore about it. But then you've got just like everything behind the scenes that just isn't as fun. So yeah, one of uh, I mean like as uh, if 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 you haven't watched any of Jack's interviews um, from the uh, from the race weekends he was out in Berlin, go back and watch them. They are on the channel. Uh, but when you did your interview with Nick DeFries, he said, "Oh, it's great to have won this lottery." Now this is this is this is the thing with this season that because of the qualifying format, it's this season has it has been a little bit of a lottery, and I mean obviously Mercedes. Mercedes want to do what they've been doing in Formula One for the last seven years, but which wouldn't be great for the for the for the sport to watch. But um, 
But yeah, I do feel like it's kind of not comp- uh, it, the thing. It's 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 too artificial for these manufacturers now, and the fact that they can only develop um, the uh, the drivetrain and not try and have a go at other stuff. And uh, I know that we spoke about this many a time on the FEZ show before, but being able to develop the batteries and uh, and and uh, and other things underneath the chassis. I think would be so, uh, so good. Keep the sh- uh, keep the one spec chassis, but underneath the surface, that th- th- it's where the manufacturers they 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 want to go all out on. And I think because they haven't been given creative uh, the, the creative freedom that they really want to have, that's why we've seen Audi go. We we've seen BMW going. Now we're seeing Mercedes going, and. I think that it's I I think it's a massive factor and there are quite a few things that Formula E needs to sort out and then maybe we might see one of the one of these manufacturers come back for Gen Four or something in the future but there needs to and I do agree a bit but I do agree with Toto Wolf this does something needs to change not dramatically but enough for it so that in the future. It appeals more to the uh, it appeals more to people to come back and watch it and uh, to come back and watch it and come back and enter it. The thing is, I'm going to defend Formula E here, right? I'm going to defend them. They're in a hard place right now because, yes, I think what Jack's just said there is a hundred percent true. Like these manufacturers are looking at 2030, 2040 when. They're not allowed to produce any more petrol, diesel cars, right? They have to be producing fully electric cars, and therefore they want to be ready for that. They want people to not be still driving their petrol or hybrid car come come 2030 in the UK and in 2035, and in some places it's, it, it's sooner. They want to be ready, but Formula E need to obviously... Are still, are still a young championship and still trying to do these gimmicky things, right? Attack mode, fan boost, to try and bring an audience in, to try and get those TV numbers up. Therefore, the revenue potentially goes up the more money, prize money teams can win. Because teams, the problem is, the teams want to do all this stuff, but they're scared. They're scared. They're scared of throwing money at Formula E to do all this and then not make a profit or or, or lose money, right? And and or and therefore and thinking, well, I could have spent this money on Formula One, as Mercedes have said, right? And, and not lost money, and still developed an electric powertrain. So I'm defending Formula E because they they've still got to do something. They've still got to try and make this championship watchable, right? And and, and gain those new fans and make it exciting. And they're coming up with all these ideas, Ed right but if they're not working and and you could argue potentially that okay attack mode has been brilliant i'm a big fan of attack mode but maybe for the wider general audience the casual audience okay it's maybe not been a success right and then you've also got to argue for the teams they'll be looking at it look at the united kingdom right as a prime example formula e is tucked away in a corner on the internet for you to go and watch yes a lot of people go on the internet to watch a race 
right, and, and to consume their media, but it's not on a mainstream TV channel. Therefore, a casual fan isn't going to log on to BBC Sport one afternoon and go, oh, let me click on Formula E, right? If you're sitting on a TV scanning through channels, they may say and watch and give it a try. But because that's not there in the UK, I think that's a huge issue, right? That's a huge issue that Formula E needs to overcome. Formula E needs to make sure that all eyes are potentially on this and it's on main channels, not tucked away in the third or fourth channel of that channel, like BBC Three. I know BBC Three doesn't exist anymore online, but for example, right, or BBC Four, okay? So I'm defending Formula E because I feel like they're trying. They're trying but I feel like we're getting closer and closer to a manufacturer deadline of 2030 to be ready to have electric cars ready for us to buy. And it might not be ready if they keep going down with Formula E. Yeah, <laughs> interesting points there. I don't think I've ever seen a sport of any variety shown on BBC4. It's usually just documentaries or like our old music programs and stuff. But um, who knows, maybe Formula E could be the first. I've been on BBC2 a couple of races this season and in London, they were on Channel 4. And I remember whoever it was, um, there was an interview, some, some spokesperson, whoever is the head of media at Formula and I think they said that, if I remember correctly, they said something along the lines of Formula is not a Tier 1 sport, but we would like it to make it a Tier 1 sport. And it's a sort of chicken and egg situation because broadcasters on these Freeview channels, uh, they sort of, they don't really want to broadcast something that, it's not going to bring the same audience as, say, a repeat of, like, I don't know, Bargain Hunt or some old, like a rerun of an old movie or something, which is, that is unfortunately what Formula E's found itself up against when it's been shown on by the likes of Channel 5 and ITV as well in the past. So, on although it's tucked away in BBC Sport and sort of it's only a dedicated audience like us that's realistically going to be seeking it out, at least it's not having to compete with uh, other things that justify its existence. Uh, so there is there has been a lot of talk about as well over the years about some kind of dedicated formula similar to what Formula One have with the F1 TV for instance where they've got all the old races and they've also got I know I'm not sure if it's available in the UK but it is in other countries they've got uh, live coverage of like practice sessions qualifying races that sort of thing and uh, I do wonder obviously formula the problem is you've got to grow that audience first not a problem for Formula One but definitely a problem for Formula E. So there's an issue of exposure. And the other thing is, like you say about the gimmicks, is that I do think some of them, there is a bit of a, a credibility issue, especially what doesn't help is things like uh, the reduction of the safety car at Valencia, uh, just and causing that uh, slightly farcical finish. And we had, um, obviously, fan boost has been raked over the coals since the very beginning, to be honest, by large sections of the fan base, even people who love Formula E can't stand fan, fan boost and there's a sort of feeling that when even a gag was sort of who fought it up in the first place was criticizing it last year or a year ago two years ago that sort of its days are kind of numbered and it might not still be there for gen 3 but uh yeah so so the gimmicks that they're, they're designed to bring in the audience sometimes they kind of backfire and undermine its credibility but yeah it's it's definitely not going to be easy but there's definitely a way into not completely into the main it's never going to be as big as formula one i think not realistically anyway and i think if mercedes had thought that then they were being incredibly unrealistic if they thought we're going to join and it's automatically going to become big because we're in it it's going to take longer than that i'm afraid but uh but yeah i i do think formula can can grow it's, they've made some missteps in how they've tried to grow the brand essentially 
but uh, but I do think they can they can recover it, and there's still enough things that they do right that are worth celebrating. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. There's definitely a lot of things that they're doing right. But I want to move on, right? Um, because we got onto a nice little tangent there, which I kind of enjoyed that tangent. But I want to talk about, which I think we've sort of been hinting at, was it a good season for Formula E? Because you could argue, yes, it was a good season. It was very competitive. You know, it went down to the wire. It was, you know, the championship weekend was was, was great because we didn't know who was going to win it. We don't know who's going to win every, every weekend. But... Was it a good season for Formula E in terms of that growth, in terms of this overall aim of growing and attracting fans? Was it a good weekend when we see scandals like at Valencia where it all just fell apart? You know, the weird penalties for Pascal Verlaide in, in Puebla going into that championship weekend with 18 potential championship winners like Pico. I don't know. That's the question. I, I don't know. You know, of course, Jack Nichols and Dara Frankie are going to say it's a great season for Formula E. But when you reflect on it, when you reflect on what we've gone through and the, the talking points, and it's hard to say, yeah, it was a great season. You know, I love unpredictability. I love it when I don't know what's about to happen. However... And I think you hit the nail on the head with the three, I think, down points of the entire season. Um, The Valencia farce. I try and get that out of my head as soon as physically possible. I was so embarrassed for the sport after what happened there. It was was awful. That was our equivalent of um, 2005 Indianapolis for when they had the F1 had six cars start and I mean, it was as bad as that. Um, uh, Pascal Verlein in uh, Mexico City, and sorry, in Puebla. Um, these incidents need to stop. Like the whole not ticking the box correctly cost him an entire race win when he didn't have any advantage whatsoever over the, the over the course of the race. That needs to stop. And then the other one which thankfully they did close the loophole, was Lucas um, Degrassi going through pit lane in London to take the lead from eighth underneath the safety car. Because, and I know that you were a big fan of, of it at the time, Jack, and it was, I mean, like it was clever play from Audi. But sporting-wise, you cannot overtake seven people under safety car. It's it 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 just it just doesn't make sense. It's that that's so. There have been so many like bad points, but at the same time, I do like it when you have. Uh, I I I always root for the underdog. I always root for the underdog in everything that I watch. So, this year, I've I've been rooting for everyone. I've I've been rooting for everyone this year because I don't because uh, going race to race, I don't know what's going to happen, and it was. And it was great. However, 18 drivers going into the final weekend, I do understand that is a bit too much. I think the limit should be eight, I think, because I I want to say it was British Touring Cars in 2015 that had eight champ, uh, that, uh, that had eight. Um, it was the fight between eight drivers going into the Brands Hatch uh, GP that, that season. Um, 
could be wrong, but I think it's something like that. I think that should more or less be the limit. I don't think we should do something like um, BSB or or uh, or anything like that. And genuinely, I do think that the I I think that this championship is close enough now to um, eradicate this group system because um, it was. It, it was fun. It was fun. It was great. I love. I love. I love it. But like in Puebla, when all the Group One drivers um, just decided to screw everyone else over, which was fun. But um, but yeah, it it I loved this season because it was unpredictable. But I completely understand why a lot of people didn't like it, and I completely understand why. So to get, Nick the Freeze called it a lottery. <laughs> so to get you off the fence a little bit, if you were to say, was it a good season for Formula E overall? Do you think it was enough to say, yes, it was a good season? Or would you say, actually, I don't think it was the greatest of seasons for Formula E? Uh, um, I think based on the reaction of every, of most people, this season wasn't that good. And that is the stance I'm going to take. I thought it was decent. It's not the best that we've had. I'm trying to think which one was the best that we had. I'd go season five. Season five? What happened season five? I've forgotten. Season five was good. There was a lot of obviously battles. Um, Vern won it in the end. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'll go season five. Then second title was season five, yeah. Yeah, Van yeah. won it. But for me, I think it's the early days. I feel like the early days of the fights between Buemi and Lucas de Grassi, I think because it was a clear two title favourites, I feel like those were probably the best seasons of Formula E. But Ed, what about you? Do you think that this season was a good season um, for Formula E? Not a good season? Reasons why? And if, there's, if not, and if yes, just, as I said, explain the reasons. I think it was actually, I'm going to completely disagree with what PK said. I think it was a great season uh, overall, but it started really, really badly. I thought that the first weekend in Deria was absolutely a little bit like your first day back from term and everyone felt a bit, it seemed like everyone was like half asleep or something. And there was like two huge accidents uh, for Mortara in practice and then for Lynn in the race. Uh, and then there was of course obviously the control massive control near miss really with the missiles and the post-race podium ceremony which i really well really hope that doesn't happen again when they go back next year in january but uh but yeah for me everything that happened after that was way more positive for formula e obviously obviously you know we can there were like you say embarrassing moments and valencia probably the, is the one that stands out the most i disagree with pico completely about pascal and disqualified for me that was all porsche's fault and uh, the rules are very clear. Every, pretty much everyone else, apart from Nissan, didn't follow them. And I still don't understand but, why Porsche did that appeal because they knew exactly what was going to happen. But yes, what they did was wrong. But you, it's stupid that they got disqualified for not having an. They didn't have an advantage by not ticking a box. That 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 was my thing about it. The question is: Is it what we want as fans? As people who watch this series is it what we want yes they broke a rule but is it what we want in terms of do we want to keep 
waiting three hours after a race to ensure that the race winner has actually won because we've had many incidents with that in Formula E and we need to try and eradicate that. I don't want them to take three hours. I'd quite like to catch some of my flights <laughs> when I'm going to all these races next year. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, for me, integrity is important, right? We can't just let things slide because, oh, well, that didn't matter or they didn't take advantage because you can easily see if you give teams even the sniff of something like, oh, well, it doesn't matter if you don't send the right tires in. They'll say, right, change your tires because the FIA aren't tracking that anymore. And they will, at somewhere down the line, get an advantage out of that. So I, I feel like you do have to, even if it takes ages to get the result, and it's been that way since day one in Formula we have seen. So right from the first season when Degrassi got disqualified in Berlin for having the front wing that had been repaired wrongly and they, they hadn't... It, some of the ballast in it wasn't in the right place if I remember correctly uh, and so so for me uh, it, for me like I say it has they have to do it the right way and uh, I, I I feel like it would actually undermine it more if people went and said well we, we're afraid of giving people penalties or disqualifying people because it makes the series look bad you can't run a championship that way I'm afraid so uh, what happened to Pascal was harsh because obviously like we said it wasn't the driver's fault and uh, a bit different to the incident we saw in London with Degrassi. That was just a, a silly loophole that hadn't really been been covered. And really, it should have been because uh, we saw in Berlin last year in one of the six races that, uh, that everyone stopped under full course yellow and gained time in the pit lane. And so they, they, they basically found, cut away that loophole, but not the full safety car loophole in that specific scenario. We found ourselves in London where the Mini was just trundling around really slowly in Degrassi. Uh, in fact, I was listening on the radio, apparently he, he was faking having a puncher, which I thought was quite interesting. He, he went in and said, oh, I think I have a puncher. And then he went in and he's like, okay, box is box. No, actually I don't. And then he stopped in the, in the, tried to stop in the box and continue on, which I thought was kind of hilarious. Uh, this The sort of 40 chess Lucas was trying to play there. And of course didn't work in the end, uh, but it could have, it would have been very controversial had it worked, would have made that a much uh, bigger story, perhaps on the same level as the Verline controversy. One thing we haven't really talked about is some of the superb racing we've seen. Monaco especially stands out to me as a really brilliant tactical race where three drivers were basically swapping positions throughout the entire thing, which you don't really see too often at Monaco. People passing, especially people like Mitch Evans, passing around the outside at the top of uh, the hill into Casino Square or that amazing move that sealed the cost of the win on Evans uh, at the chicane. So the, that really stood out to me as, as a brilliant race where, uh, and again, we for all the criticism of energy management in the series, that was a brilliant finish because of energy management. Monaco was an example of uh, them getting it absolutely right. And we have had a few reasonably good races, I think, but the two rounds in Berlin do stand out, especially the first one where Degrassi basically uh, outsmarted uh, the Tachitas and was able to just about hold off Mortar at the end. That was really exciting. So yeah, we have had some brilliant action. All the field has closed up a lot significantly since the beginning of uh, the uh, Gen 2 era. That's probably because Neo Free for Free have gotten their act together uh, just a bit and been able to score points finally for the first time in a couple of seasons. So uh, that helps, but I think everyone else has closed in as well. So uh, obviously uh, we'll have to see if Gen 3 starts off with everyone spreading out again, but Season 8 should be should be even closer. So from a competitive point of view, I don't think we have too many problems. But another thing Pico said, they're looking at changing the group system. We'll have to see what they pick. 
I definitely think that would be a good step in terms of credibility because the championship leaders being punished for being high in the championship has been such a, a sticking point for a lot of people, almost more than fan base because it's actually affected the outcome of races significantly more. So I think that overall, even though I kind of like the group system uh, in terms of spicing things up, but from a sort of entertainment point of view, but I realize from a competitive point of view, and I keep saying that word, integrity, don't I? I feel like uh, changing it to a different system that is a little bit more egalitarian and less kind of a less of a lottery, like DeVries said, uh, then, uh, yeah, I, I think that can be a good thing going forward. Yeah, like, what I like is that I think the qualifying system has to change because you're right in exactly what you say. It's going to be closer. Remember, they're using the same powertrains. It's basically the exact same car going into next season, barring some software tweaks. Um because the powertrains are homologated, they don't change because we're in this two-year cycle. And I think that's something that Formula really needs to scrap very quickly is this two-year cycle because we're going to just, you know, keep on having these really close championships and teams being able to catch up. And, and you know, we had 15 rounds and the champ- Nick DeFries won it with less than 100 points, which is crazy to think about, really, that we had 15 rounds where 25 points are available per win, 29 points maximum of a weekend, and we didn't get over 100 points, which I think is mad in a sense, and it shows how competitive it was this season, but as I said, do we want that? I feel like we want that narrative. Like, as I said, I I keep saying Formula 1's having the best season of its life at the moment with Max and, and Lewis because of how competitive it is between those two. We know who the championship fight is and that is making everybody tune in to see who's going to win. And I feel like Formula E missed that. But again, I wanted to defend the Puebla thing very quickly um, for Formula E because you're probably right. It wasn't that bad. Really, the rules are rule. He got disqualified. But I think there was just so much frustration. And obviously like Vettel in Formula 1, you know, we all know about the rule of having a litre left in your tank to be tested. And if it's not there, it's not there and you get disqualified. It's a rule. It's been in every Formula One for, for years, right? And so it's this rule. But I just think because there was so much frustration and it wasn't long after Valencia, I think like it was blown up. There was a lot of frustration around Formula E. There was, ah, oh, here we go again, right, of something going wrong. And I feel like maybe the Puebla incident was blown up more simply because I feel like everyone was just frustrated um, with Formula E at that yeah, time. Yeah, I, I, I agree on that, actually, that that frustration did kind of build across the season, and there's a certain certain feeling of things building on top of one another, especially after Valencia onwards, really. Um, I was wanted to say about Nick De Vries. You mentioned he got under 100 points. I think he won it on 99 points in the end with the four that he scored in the final race. The interesting thing is, if you look at it a certain way, he won the championship in London when he got those two second places because when he was on 95 points, that was really enough to win it. It was really, no one else was able to beat that total over the two races in Berlin. So if, if you think about it, London was really what won him that, that championship, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's talk, let's move on to finish up the show by just talking about the title fight and what happened on that day because obviously the light for Nick DeFries. Yes, you could say he won it in London. Um, and, and obviously those good results coming from ninth to second in London was a big part of it. He said it was a lottery, which I think we understand by the qualifying system and that he'd won it. But obviously he still had to do the job on the day. But going into that day, Mitch Evans put himself in pole position, Jack. 
right, to win that. And no one, just just when the lights went out, just your immediate thoughts when you saw Evan stationary. And then when you saw Mortara go into the back of him. Well, I was camping that weekend, so I didn't watch it live. So I turned my phone off at about to about two about two thirty, I think, was was very start, and I didn't dare turn it on again until I got to the pub that we were going to for dinner. I so I signed into the Wi-Fi and watched it there. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I I sat I uh, I sat down. I I had my phone out. Uh, after I turned my phone on, I I showed my phone to my brother so he could get rid of all the Formula E notifications if there were any. Um. Just to make sure that I didn't see the result. But yes, when the lights went out and you just heard Jack screaming at the top of his lungs. Nichols, by the way, not 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 George Maynard or, or me. Um, that um, that uh, Evans hadn't moved. I, I, I was in shock. And then it was Mortara, the one that hit him. And then... Uh, because I didn't know how long the red flag was, I skipped all the way through the red flag. Uh, I did watch it after, but... um. But yeah, and then obviously, a lap one of the restart, Dennis went in the war, and it was, it was like no one wanted to win the championship, um, and so it it it, it was an open door for um for uh, Nick DeVries. um, and yeah, and I think Nick could have won it more with more than one hundred points very easily. He was running in third or fourth at one point in that race, but, um. Yeah, it, well, we saw we 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 saw it on the Saturday, where it, where it's I'm not I'm ninety percent sure that everyone, um, everyone going into that race, that oh, is it Tachita one two in Berlin? We know how this is going to go. They're gonna go off, get this one two, and that's the championship sealed for them basically. And that wasn't the case, and they dropped back during the race, and so even though there was that thing that oh, three of the championship contenders are out I still knew at that point it was like this isn't over this isn't over anything can still happen because this season has just thrown up so many uh, so many unpredictable moments um, that I, I just I just knew I was watching it um, yeah it, it was going to be an exciting uh, it, it was still going to be relatively exciting and there was that moment where it was was it Bird? DeFries and someone else going into what would have been the flat out turn. Was that on the three? last corner? No, 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 no. It Not was. Last oh, corner. was this Sorry, the three lap. ride moment? Uh, the, yeah, the three wide moment. Uh, yeah. Lotterer, Van Dorn, and then DeFries on the outside, being overtaken by both of them. That yeah, was the but one. they all brushed um, either side of Lotterer. Ah, oh, Formula E. Jesus Christ. I did feel, though, in that race, Eb, that the freeze put himself in a position. And I did ask this to him. I said, did you feel the need to be as aggressive as you were? Because I felt like he was putting himself in position. He had the championship wrapped up. This is what I don't understand about championship fights and teams not telling them where people are. Like, they they didn't... He needed to know that Dennis was out. He needed to know... Well, he obviously knew Mitch was out and Mortara was out. But he needed to know where people were. And his main championship rivals were, you know, like the Robin Frines and the Lucas Degrassi's potentially um, in that race. So he knew, look, just stay where you are at this precise moment. It's enough. But he was diving down the inside, putting his car in positions 
where he could have crashed out and it could have taken a wild swing of a Robin Franz and Lucas Degrassi to just finish 6th, 7th and take the championship away from him. Yeah, but Nick DeVries has always been a really aggressive driver and that's why he got himself into the position that he did in the championship. Um, and it may be a sort of thing with his engineer where they, if he's told that, right, Dennis is out, there's no one in the top 10 that can beat you in the championship, then all of a sudden that takes the the pressure off, right? What if he makes a mistake? That's the sort of the thinking I imagine. Whereas if they don't tell him all the facts, they just tell him enough uh, for uh, the, uh, where he's in, in the race and worry about the championship afterwards, then... Uh, that they did actually tell him a little bit because they were bit worried about the team's championship when Bird got by him on the last lap or something. I, th- I think they did give him a little. He was worried a bit about the team's championship, and uh, I think the team said, "Don't worry, we've, we've got this in the bag because Stoffel's on the podium." But uh, but yeah, I I see where you're coming from, Jack. But I I I do think from DeVries's point of view, absolutely he had to go for when he was behind Alexander Sims and trying to get into fifth place. I think he absolutely had to go for that, even though. Obviously, it allowed Van Dorn and Lotterer to basically gang up on him. And uh, almost uh, the big moment for me, actually, was right near the start, actually, that was really crucial for DeVries and it showed his reactions was he was one of the first on the scene at the Mortara-Evans incident. And there was like a really narrow gap between the wall and Mortara's sort of wreckage car. And he actually went right over the wheel cover of Mortara. Thankfully, he didn't take any damage from that. So you could say it was lucky from DeVries, but also... He didn't really have a lot of time to make that decision to go down the inside. So I think top marks to him. I think it's a full, fully deserved title that he's won. I Obviously, though, I feel a bit disappointed for the likes of Jake Dennis, especially being a rookie. He was also my tip to win. <laughs> but uh, he still had an amazing season himself. Um, and uh, all of the free title games really robbed by circumstances beyond their control, in my opinion. Evans with... The vaulted issue didn't get off the line. Mortara sort of unsighted behind Dennis, didn't have enough time to react when he saw the stationary car of Evans. And then Dennis having his own failure later on right behind Bohemi, which if he had passed Bohemi, would have been right in the box seats, really. So that's the way it goes sometimes. I was talking to someone else saying that they really thought that Pascal Verlaine was going to somehow win the title, despite being like 17 points back from where he needed to be or something. And I said, if Pascal wins, I will shave off my mustache. And I'm sure Pascal. <laughs> Uh, he's got a lovely moustache himself, so I imagine he would have shaved it too if he'd won. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. So the moustache stays on for another year, I'm assuming. I don't think I don't think it was sporting moustache um, in, in Berlin. To be fair, Pascal. Jack, oh, oh, Jack, he's already got rid of Jack, it. Okay, you nothing have to lose. Then. The entire the entire paddock to stage the race, so Pascal Verlaine yes. should have won the championship. We should have arrived here exactly. Um, Pico, just a very quick word, just final thoughts, really. On I just want to throw another name out there on Stoffel Van Dorn because. In the interview that we had with Stoffel Van Dorn, I asked him, I said, look, I know you must be delighted for your teammate, but do you think it should have been you? And arguably, you could have asked, out of the season, you know, three poles, one taken away from him, you know, didn't get the chance to qualify, obviously, back in Diria, so who knows what they could have done after the Multara incident, was taken out from the lead in Berlin, in London. And then obviously gets the podium. If he got those points in London, wasn't taken out by Roland, Van Dorn's our champion. And I don't think anyone would have been able to have argued because of pe- over the course of the season, you may have thought Van Dorn was 
was arguably one of the strongest or one of the best drivers of the season. So just quick thoughts on Van Dorn and, and what you thought of his season and, and his title push maybe for next year. Yeah, yeah, you can say that with that, but you can also say you, you can say what ifs with everyone. Wistoff, um, he was unlucky in London when he got taken out by Ollie Rowland. Um, he was unlucky in Rome when he was leading from pole position. Then Lotter just um, Lottered into him, um, and like there were. But the thing is, there there were also points like he was in Group Three on uh, Saturday uh, for Berlin didn't perform well whatsoever um and there are all these different like yeah there are all these different permutations i mean like i mean as much as i tried to get rid of the race from my memory uh valencia race one he was uh, yes he was pole taken away was starting at the back but the only reason that he got the podium was because um was because he had um uh, because everyone else had energy issues and Mercedes calculated it correctly, so yeah, it 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 will be a season of what ifs for everyone. Uh, I I think it'll be quite interesting to see uh, what would happen if you take the results at the forty minute mark instead of going to the end of the race and putting the results in there. If you got the results at the forty minute mark from every single race of the season, how different would the championship would be? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, Stoff is an incredible driver, and I'm sure he's going to be there or there about next season as well. Regardless of how the 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 format works, he's an incredibly quick driver, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him uh, uh, win the championship uh, next season or beyond at some point. I tell you what, though, that would be some amazing maths and changing it and go back to the 40 minute mark because I I. The championship would be incredibly different. I'm sure we would have a champion over 100 points if that was the case, and maybe fewer title contenders going into um, the final. Well, yeah, few I, days. I, my, my main thought was Rome because Degrassi broke down with a few minutes to go, and that caused the pile up with the two Mercedes. That was my first one, and then Valencia, and then you got to, and then you got to do all the other races as well. But yeah, if someone was to calculate that, and then once yeah. they've done that, they had to calculate. The true pace of each car and where they would have qualified if the group system hadn't been a thing <laughs> and then work out the results from that and all the hypotheticals that would have happened from then on i reckon it's going to be a busy off season jack <laughs> yeah it's going to be a busy off season right boys we have ran out of time thank you so much um for today's show boys thank you pleasure as always and that's it. We'll be back. There'll be plenty of talking points. Obviously, we'll try our best to be as, as current as possible with um, the FEZ shows over the off-season and so forth. But all I can say is, you know, if you're really enjoying these, please remember to hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Um, the growth has been um, amazing over the past couple of races um, while we've been on site. And I hope, again, extending that, that you've enjoyed all of our content that we've done. You know, amazing Ed here, um, putting it all together with the editing, like, you know, can't fault him for that while i was out getting all the um all the footage for him um over the course of both weekends. yeah you had all the fun and i did all the work yeah. <laughs> man let's get you did a very good job too jack so because you obviously got the camera set up on your own and having to talk to yourself a lot which i find really tricky so i'm glad you did all that for me nice right thank you very much we'll see you soon goodbye